killer Come out with this uh, And I'm a nuisance child Game in the stupid now Plus I'm stupid foul Pull the coop to trap I come through canal And let the Luger stab In the DA mouth Here's a root canal Right on Center Street Put them on Front Street Next day the front page Who gon' front on me? Girls deranked in chunks I call them skanking cunt Take a trip with the dick bitch To the bank to stunt Serena Williams Down to a bank of trunks Who wanna bang a rum chunk? Yes, I bring the punk That's why I'm kinda hype Because my money's good Which means my mind is right So I got time to write How I grind at nights Mets tab, China white Army hat, army jacket Yes sir, my line is right The menace is army We finished the dawn pee Now let's get purple Like Grimace of Barney Holla My crutch man I gotta come in there Welcome back to the Why So Series Podcast I'm your host Brandon we got old man Wade back with me, and Mike and Devlin are nowhere to be found. Uh, so it's just us two today, and we are definitely rocking um, the boys. So it's been a while. Uh, we're not going to really talk about episode seven. Oh, we can. We can talk about the whole season as a whole, but we're really going over the finale and the whole season as a whole, what we thought about it and what we're looking forward to in episode, I mean, in season three. Uh, but old man Wade, let's start with you. What did you think about the boys season two as a whole and specifically about the finale? So season two was a <clears throat> season two as a whole was phenomenal. I thought that they uh, managed to make sure even every episode was as good as the previous one or at least on the same level as the previous one, which is something a lot of shows can't do, especially in a season two. The sophomore slump excuse me, the sophomore slump exists for a reason. And the boys didn't uh, succumb to that. And it was damn sure impressive. In terms of the finale, it was definitely, it was a, for fans of Supernatural, they'll understand when I say this. This was a Supernatural-worthy season finale. It gave you everything you wanted and left you with just enough of a cliffhanger to want to know what's going to happen in season three. Yeah, I love this season. Um, It basically did everything that I was looking for. Like, I I wanted it to... Give me some Easter eggs from the comic books, which it gave me a lot of that. But I also wanted it to kind of create its own uh, message, like make its own, um, you know, kind of give it its own little feel, change some things up, uh, some cer- certain things for the better, uh, which I thought they did. And, you know, I want because I don't want to know what's going to happen. I hate when it's a one to one adaptation. Because then that kind of takes, I mean, unless it's just great. Like, you know, if they did, if they made a movie of, like, Jonathan Hickman's New Avengers in Avengers, and I'm like, oh, okay, you can do that. But that wouldn't even be possible because it's way too much. But even that, I still want them to change some stuff up. And this, I definitely want them to, uh, you know, change some stuff up a little bit. And they did that. Um, the finale was great because it it kind of gave you a, a picture of what's going to happen next season, which I think you're going to get a lot of comic book content next season, and we'll talk about that. Um, you got to see the, all the characters, the story arcs of all the characters um, by the end of the season uh, come to fruition. Um, you got to see exactly uh, who this Billy Butcher is, and we'll talk about that 
uh, when we get to that point because there's some things that the Billy Butcher in the show does that the Billy Butcher in the comic books absolutely would not have done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like and I like the change that they made with that character in those situations specifically. Um, uh, and Brandon, you know how harsh I've been. I shouldn't say harsh. Harsh is a bad word. I do enjoy Carl Urban's Billy Butcher. I think he's phenomenal. I think he's like he was. I, I would go as far as to say he was born to play this role. Yes. But you you understand how the Billy Butcher in a comic book holds a special place in my heart. Yes. Um, after this, I was like, I'm kind of really digging this one a little bit more. And it, it, it's difficult for me to say that because I love the comic book version so much. But this Billy Butcher is, he's he lacks the, the smoothness that the comic book one does, but he has a lot more heart that it does and I think that heart was taken away and we can get into that when we really break down like the finale yeah like I like that part of him because the Bully Butch in the comic books was it's in some ways a, a complete sociopath and not that this one isn't but he went to he went to points that I think fit well I think fit perfectly for the story that Garth Ennis was telling but in it's not my preferred way of storytelling. And yeah. so I, while I enjoyed the boys greatly, the, the comic book, it, when I was reading it, I was like, yeah, I wish Busher would have done this differently. I think it would have been a better, a more interesting story if he did some things differently. Not a better story, just a, more, a different story, a more interesting story. And I think they're trying to tell that story in the comic books. I mean, in this TV show, um, with Butcher being a little bit... Um, different and we'll get to that so uh let's just um, go yeah go ahead i was gonna say um you hit something uh you hit something that i want to make make sure that's noted uh you brought it up great perfectly when you said garth ennis's run of the boys this isn't garth ennis's run of the boys this is his at this is his story these are his characters but this is eric uh kripke's and seth rogan's the boys so these characters aren't going to be the same as the ones we're used to and i think that's a um Something that definitely should be distinguished between the two, especially like if you're a comic book fan. And the who boy, com- also, The Boys was written in what, 2006? Uh, sounds about right. The Boys comic was, yeah, 2006. 2006 to 2008. You can't tell, you can't put those characters on TV and as those you, characters are in 2020. They don't fit in our time. Like, in some ways they do, but they don't fit in our time. And some of the things that were seen as good or things that you would cheer in 2006 and 2020 you would think they're bad and so you cannot yes. present that in that way in 2020 any visual medium like tv uh just because it's going to come off totally different so they had to make some changes um and other changes they made on their own uh which both of them i like so far um okay let's get into this episode uh of season eight of the boys uh it was called Season two, episode eight. What was it called? Um, what I know. Um, so basically, this <laughs> this episode picks off with a PSA, a supervillain PSA, which is essentially like the uh, mass shooter uh, videos that kids got to watch today. Unfortunately, in school, obey the law. <laughs> and they're like, okay, these are the things you got to do. You got to lock the doors and windows, hide. And get strapped. And they're like, every teacher should have a gun. And I was like, oh my God, they went there. And the fucking teacher pulls out a fucking pistol, uh, some type of Glock out of her desk. 
and she's ready. And, you know, they're, they're like, kids, get whatever you can to bash a supervillain. Do you want them kids to die? If there's a supervillain, right? If there's an actual <laughs> supervillain with powers, and he comes through that fucking door, she comes through that door, what the fuck are those kids going to do with a fucking eraser or a fucking pencil case? No, they got the American flag. The American oh, the flag. American flag, yes, yes. Because they had to be extremely on the nose with it. Like, right there on the nose. Uh, no, this, and, the, and that gun ain't going to do nothing but piss a superhero off. No, it depends on what type of soup it is. Some soups, it can hurt. Yeah. Like Mesmer. I'm pretty sure a gun can hurt Mesmer. Yeah. But most but soups. Can, but Mesmer would just fucking control their fucking minds. And the, and, the, and the fucking teacher would be shooting the kids. Yes, and the teacher would be shooting the kids, which might be actually worse. Um, and so that was a pretty ridiculous way to start this episode. And I said, okay, this is about to be quite ridiculous. Um, I loved it, though. Yeah, I loved it, one, too. Because one thing I love about the, the, the showrunners and the creators on this show is they understand exactly what's going on in the world. And their level of giving a fuck is so low that they're just like, oh, if you got a, you got an issue with us telling the truth, then go fuck yourself. Like it, <laughs> that's exactly what it comes down to. Like you know what I mean. Like there's no part of the show that if you are blinded to what's going on in society, you don't enjoy the show. But even if you don't, even if you don't like what's going on, you understand why they're saying the things they say and doing the things they do. One hundred percent. Now, there's some things that Kripke was saying the last couple of days that kind of got to, like, pissed me off a little bit, but I'm not going to critique his show because he's doing a great job, even if his reasoning to me is a little ridiculous. Um, so then we go to what this Republican senator's office, and this dude is just like, hey, man, listen, the president is declaring a national emergency. We're about to give Compound V to law enforcement. I was like, I could not think of anything more scary. Like, I cannot think of anything, anything. Yeah. That's the yo, worst I, idea than that. Yo, I feel like they were done because they were actually finished the show in November. I feel like they went back in like April and filmed that scene. Yes. That's the worst fucking idea. What's the, what's the worst idea than that? You know you know what we're going to do? Give police the guy <laughs> compound so they can have superpowers. Really? Oh, man. But here's the funny thing. <laughs> A radical Republican would absolutely do some shit like that if it was real. One thousand percent. One million percent. If Compound V happened right after 9-11, they absolutely would have gave soldiers Compound V to go over to Iraq and beat up brown people and destroy them. No question. A hundred percent. And it's unfortunate, but it's true. Um, and so Victoria Newman and Mallory in there, and they're like, "This is a horrible idea." And, she, and the, the Republican dude is like, "I mean, yeah, I on off the record, I agree with you, but fuck, you want me to do?" And they're like, "What if we could, you know, get something else?" And they're like, "Oh, what are you gonna do? Have pictures of me sleeping with my niece or something?" He was like, "Good, release them. I, I can know. get a good job at Fox." His niece is made. Let's make sure we make this. Niece is made. He was like. <laughs> I'll take my great job at Fox. Thank you. I don't need your shit. They really put that out there. It was like, I'll take my cushy job at Fox. Yo, everything. It, it was like, if I have my goddamn American pen, I'm like, yo, they're really just, they're just beating that dead horse, man, and I'm loving it. 
Yep. And so um, Victoria and Mallory were like, well, we're fucked. And so <laughs> then you cut to um, Becca trying to escape her little bubble, her Truman Show. Uh, she got a knife and she's getting out of there. Uh, and they're searching for her. And somehow she outruns all of Vought security. How terrible is Vought security? Becca is not even trained. And she's outrunning them and outgassing them. The Vought security is as bad as the Ratchet security in that hospital. In the show Ratchet, they're just as bad as the security in that hospital. They are horrid. Horrid. So then... Uh, we cut to Starlight and her mom. And I was like, oh, look at Starlight giving her mom a second chance. Good for Starlight. Good for you, Starlight. Um, and Better her. Huh? Better her than me. <laughs> you wouldn't give her mom a second chance? You would have cut, you cut your mom off? We can have a conversation out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not opposed to cutting family off. I've cut family off. Um, I can cut mother off. <laughs> but she, she was like, listen. I'm sorry. And then my, her mom was, Starlight's like, listen, just get out of here. Go straight home. Don't fucking talk to anybody. Don't fucking tell Vaught that you talked to me like last time. Because that's what she did in episode seven with Snitch like a dummy. Um, and she's like, let me and go ahead. And her mom was like, okay, okay. I just want to make sure you're okay. And take this cross. And Starlight's like, the fuck you giving me this shit for? I already told you I don't believe in that shit anymore. And she's like, I don't care if you wear it. I just want you to keep it. And Starlight was like, all right. And so then they cut to the boys in the bodega, and they are they the boys are ready to go at this point. This is right after they saw all the heads blow up in the courtroom, and they're just like, uh, yeah, it's time to like you know we gotta kill all these fucking soups. And Huey's like, hey guys, uh, maybe we should rethink this whole try to go blow up the soups with rocket launchers <laughs> like here comes uh, Kamiko with the <laughs> with the rocket launcher I was like my girl <laughs> I was like maybe maybe you should maybe we should rethink that and then Butcher was like you saw what the fuck happened there like we gotta kill all these people and then Huey was like if you kill them they're just gonna make more and then Butcher's like then we'll kill them motherfuckers too and then even MM who's like the moral compass of the group Mother Smoke was like, hey, man, Huey, we saw that shit, man. They attacked the people. They, they were a terrorist attack. Like, we have to take them down. And then so they were like, well, what if we can get somebody to testify? What if what if Starlight testifies? And they were like, who's going to believe a convict, uh, a, a person who's a, who's running away from Vaughn? Nobody's going to believe you. And they were like, well, what if I can get somebody who you can believe? Uh, and so then um, they cut to Homelander's storefront, and Stormfront tells Homelander that Black Noir... It's fucked up, and <laughs> basically, like he's basically like what did Homelander call him a vegetable? Like yeah, exactly like, what he. So, in this show, the soups actually do have weaknesses, which wasn't a thing in the comic books. Um, they had they had weaknesses, but we can talk about that when we do our spoiler filled episode. Yeah, well, we can talk about Black Noir in the show. Basically, he has a oh yeah, he has a um, nut allergy, a tree nut allergy, and that's which was the great. What did I the most? I got enough. Um, epi- I got enough. Um, and the epinephrine to blow his motherfucking heart up. <laughs> so he no, he was talking about A Train with that. 
Oh no, that was a no. That was a nut allergy he had for um for Black Noir. I don't oh. think he had anything. I don't think he had anything. To, well, I mean, A Train, you can just scare him and his heart will explode. And so, Star Star Stormfront is like, uh, so that wasn't you. I mean, Book Homelander was like, so that wasn't you. And she was like, no. Nah. He was like, wasn't me. So that means it must have been Edgar. And um, Stormfront said, he is smart for his kind. I said, oh my gosh, she's so terrible. Yo, she's so yo, terrible. Yo, every every time, you know what it was funny? Because it was at that point, I'm like, yo, this has to end with her getting stomped the fuck out. She's so terrible. Um, So Stormfront was like, listen, we're almost there. We're going to get this compound V out, but we had to make sure the quote, right people get it. And yeah. I'm like... Yeah. Yo, the whole the whole season excuse me, yeah, the whole season I was going, You raggedy bitch. She's so terrible. So then they go to Huey and Starlight in the car and they talk about Billy Joel. She's like, Why the fuck do you listen to that nigga all the time? You're not fifty six years old. And um for the listeners, she did not say, uh, why do you listen to that nigga? But go ahead. That's basically what she said. Without you know, so many words. And then, uh, you know, he was just talking to him. You know, he gave a bullshit answer. But Huey is such, he is the light in the show. Like, he uh-huh. is the light in every scene. He's always, bring, when they get when the show gets too dark, Huey steps in and brings in light. And I really like that balance. Um, I love it. That's one thing they, um, <clears throat> excuse me. That was one thing they got uh, completely um, accurate from the comic book to the shows. Because even in, in the, um, in the comic book, like Huey was like the one truly like innocent person in, in all this. You know what I mean? When he ever, whenever he did anything terrible, it was because he was manipulated into doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, in Huey in the book, in the comic books, is a little bit worse person than he is in the show. He's a much better person on the show than Huey in the books. Huey did, Huey I, did some fucked up shit in the comic books. But again, like all the fucked up things that he did, he was always manipulated by Butcher because he's just mentally weak. He's a lot stronger. And he was pretty mean to uh, Tech Knight's uh, sidekick. He was judging the shit out of him. Galio. He deserved it. Or whatever the fuck his name is. No, not him. The other dude. When he walked into the bar, he's like, what the fuck am I doing here? Remember that? Again. Yeah, but again, but with that, he just didn't. Again, it's like I think Mother's Milk said it best in a comic book when when he says um, when you leave your area and you find out what true hate what hatred truly is. After Huey heard that, he understood his own ignorance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And after that, he was like, you know what? I need to check myself. And after that, yes. he was fine. Yeah. But I think I don't think that was really terrible of him. I just think this is one of those few times where ignorance. Um, becomes a major hinder, hinder when it hinders someone's um, good nature because Huey is a good natured person. Yes, he's never really been around anybody in the gay community, so he didn't in the LBG, LGBTQ community, so he didn't know how to react. You know what I mean? But like, but that's one of the good things about Mother's Milk is it's like, yo, when you're when you're acting stupid, he will check you. And once Mother's Milk gave him a kind of a check, he was fine. So I don't even think that was a bad. I don't think it was a terrible moment. I think it was a teachable moment where he took the lesson the right way. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
So then they go to you check in at Maeve and Huey and Starlight show up there and Huey's been a total like mark for Maeve. He's like, oh, I'm a big fan. Like, nice to meet you. And Maeve's like, he he called her a t- he called him a twink. <laughs> yep. I had never heard that term before. Um, you never heard that? Term? He's no. like, I'll break. Did you say I'll break that twink in half or something like that? No, she said he's even more of a twink than in the picture. Oh God. <laughs> 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 which I was laughing so hard cause I didn't even know what that meant and so they try to play moral you know they try to give the moral argument to Maeve about why she needs to testify and Maeve was like uh, that's suicide one and two I'm just tired of this shit like didn't I save your life Starlight like I saved your life That you should be happy with that go be happy with that go be with Huey and be happy with that live your morally good life and let me sit here and smoke cigarettes and fuck people okay that's essentially what mm-hmm. Maeve said. And and then she said, you know, no matter what we do, nothing changes. And in a way, she's right. In a way. Ah, shit. You know, as a black man in America, that's exactly how I felt. So then Becca shows up at the bodega and, uh, you know, Butcher Lesser in. That was really quick. Then they cut to the church of Collective. And Alistair is meeting with Edgar. And... <laughs> And he asked Edgar if he wants a fresca, and Edgar's like, no, that shit's awful. He just <laughs> that was so great. And so Alice is like, look, we did this reclamation project with the deep man. You know, he's doing much better. His poll numbers are up. Like, I think you want to, you know, you want to have a redemption tour that looks good. And then Edgar's like, he admitted the sexual assault on TV. And she's and he's and then Alice is like, yeah, but you know, nothing's better than a white man redemption tour, is basically what he said. And then Edgar, and Edgar was like, uh, so what's the church getting these days? 40% commission? And Alice is like, well, that means that you're interested. So I'll take that as a yes. And then he goes, well, what about A-Train? You know, A-Train is running back. He's running now. He's good to go. And then Edgar was like, uh, yeah, about A-Train. Was it um, one redemption story is inspirational, two is, a, is pitiful or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. And then he said, plus, you know, uh, Stormfront has a problem with A-Train, and I have to indulge her right now. And Alistair tried to play dumb, like, well, why would Stormfront have a problem with with A-Train? Like, what's what's the going on? And then Edgar was like, uh, you know, she was with, like, some people back in the church a long time ago. I'm sure you have records, and you know exactly what Stormfront's problem is with A-Train. <laughs> <laughs> and then A-Train comes out, and he heard all that shit. Uh, and I was like, okay, look at A-Train. He's about to be a good guy. Not really, but he did something good. Um, yeah, broken clock is right at least twice a day. So whatever yeah. the phrase goes. So then, uh, then they cut to about Becca, and the boys are trying to make her happy. And they're so happy to see Becca. Like, <laughs> Frenchie makes her some type of burrito. Like, M.M. shows up with Diet Coke. He's like, with lime, just like you like it. And they're all just like standing around her like his story time with Becca. And it was so adorable. Um, it was. <laughs> and then, My favorite part about that was after after everything was all said and done, and uh, Butcher goes, piss off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Butcher walks in, he's like, all right, lads, give her some space. And I was like, this dude is magical. Like, he yeah. is, he is, his gravitas of Bully Butcher, Bully Butcher is incredible. Like, it's just... I cannot take my eyes off of him on the screen. It's amazing. You know what's funny? But, like, we've seen him in multiple roles. Like, 
say what you want about Dread, he fucking rocked that role. Like he's good when you see him on screen. He's good. He's good at what he does. And it, I really felt like this is <laughs> every time he swore or like just was just did something really ruthless. I was like, I kind of feel like Carl Urban is just being Carl Urban. Yep. So then um, Becca apologized to Billy, and she's like. Um, I'm, you know, I'm sorry for what I said. I know you shouldn't have to help me. And Butcher was like, "Listen, I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna go do some digging. You stay, y'all stay here and chill. I'll be back." And then Butcher calls Edgar, and Edgar's like, "Ah, oh. Edgar had that face like, ah, oh, shit. What the fuck does he want?" So then they cut to Vaught and Ashley's babysitting Ryan, and Ashley looks like she's just had it. She's like, "Yo, I make too much money to be babysitting a kid. What the fuck am I doing?" Um. Also, they made Ryan such a nerd. Like, this fucking kid is practicing his goddamn states. Like, <laughs> listen, listen. I support Becca, but they were kind of right in episode seven. That kid was growing up in a fake world with not real people, isolated from the, the outside world. What were they going to do? Keep him in that fake world his entire life? Like, at some point... He was going to realize this is a fake world and then his whole ship was going to be blown to an extent. And so he's such a nerd, but it's adorable. And uh, Homeland is trying really hard to be. I was like, Homeland has no idea how to be a human, much less being a father. <laughs> nope. And he's trying, but it ain't going well at this point. And so at all. they're like, you want to go on a field trip? So they go to Vought Planet, which is like Planet Hollywood, which do those things even exist anymore? Like, do they still have restaurants like that? Cause I, you know, they, when I was when like when I used to live in Baltimore, they used to have a place called the ESPN Zone, where you could uh, go and they had Planet Hollywood and Rainforest yeah, Cafe. Like they used to have those themed restaurants. It, well, there's a rain there's a Rainforest Cafe in Massachusetts. Uh, there's also a bunch of those themed ones in um, Florida. I'm certain there has to be a bunch of those in um, California as well. They still exist, um, but I think they've become far and few in between. Because certain things like the rock and cheeseburger and the <laughs> shit like that. The and, homie burger. That's what they called it on here. The homie burger. I was like, it's like you, know, you got you guys are, what was it? The the black noir chocolate milkshake? I'm yes. like, yo. The, no, the like, mocha the mocha noir milkshake. I was like, yo, y'all ought to be a shit. It was like so it's the it's the black black because like because they here, so I'll say it. The black 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 milkshake essentially. Yes. yes. You know, it, it was it, it was but I'm not gonna lie. I've always wanted to do one of those, but I wanted to do it like a, a strip club where it's like every day is a theme. Like it'd be like Disney princess theme and <laughs> superhero theme. <laughs> it's a dope idea, but like unless this is um, a property that's never going to like fail, it, it, at, a, at some point in time it'll run its course, and the novelty of it will um, will die. That's why things like that only happen in like like major uh, tourist areas. You know what I mean? So, uh, basically, all these people come to start taking pictures with Homelander and Stormfront, and Ryan's senses start freaking out because he's never been around as many people. And so his that powers was, start acting up. To your point, Homelander, is he's just not a smart human being. Like, in what were, like, and he even admitted that he knew what it was like at that age. It's like, why would you take you 
essentially the Michael Jackson of um, superheroes take him to an incredibly public place where your face is everywhere and go, this is where I need to take my son, where he'll be overwhelmed by all of my adoring fans. He didn't even bother to be like, hey, I'm coming through. Save me a spot away from everybody else. But this is when they tried to give Homelander some sense of humanity. And for a little while, he had a little bit of humanity. And so he sees Ryan freaking out, and he takes off. He didn't even say bye to Stormfront or tell him where he's going. He's just like, Ryan, let's get the fuck out of here. And so then they cut back to Huey and Annie. And um, Annie calls her mom Donna, which is fucking great. She doesn't even call her mom anymore. She's Donna. <laughs> and uh, Huey talks to, finally to opens up about her mother. And she's like, Huey's, uh, my mom left me at, um, my mom left me at six years old and, uh, you know, it's, and then she's like, oh, I thought your mom was dead. And he was like, no, but that's where the Billy Joel came from. We used to dance together. And then A-Train fucking phases into the car. And I was like, that was scared the shit out of me too. They pull over, A-Train gets out, and he fucking, like, his speed is scary. Like, it's not like the Flash. Like, the Flash would whip his ass if they got in a fight. But the oh, way they the way they make his speed sound is, like, scary. He just, like, appears on you. He's like a sidler. And A-Train ends up giving them this these documents uh, that we later find out to be uh, dirt on uh, Stormfront. Um so then uh butcher uh butcher meets with edgar um and i think one of if not if not the best scene one of the best scenes of the series not just a season of the series watching these two men sit down and have a legitimate conversation and seeing how not only how intelligent the two of them are because we already know edgar is one of the most brilliant people on the show but watching um butcher hold a conversation with them and then keep them there without being shot or arrested was magical. And Edgar has the line of the year. So, is also that. Oh, yes, I have that line. Um, and so, Butch is like, listen, if you're, con- you're contingent, you know, Ryan's supposed to be your contingency from Homelander, but if they're all playing Ward and the Beef, how that's going to work? <laughs> and John Carlos Esposito was incredible in this scene. Just, Absolutely. Just incredible acting in this scene. And he basically says, listen, she, and he was like, "How? In, what are you doing with Stormfront? And he was like, listen, Stormfront makes people angry. When people get angry, they want Compound V. When people get Compound V, our stock prices rise. It's that simple. And Butch is like, so it's all about the money? It's all about business? He's like, of course. It's always, it's always been about business. And then he says, and she goes, uh, Butcher says, you know, like, what are you, but that bitch is racist. Like, you know, she don't even like you. And, 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 and Edgar says, listen, I can't lash out like some raging entitled maniac. That's a white man's luxury. And he's yo, looking right I, at Butcher. I, yo, I paused the show and rewound that scene at least four fucking times because I, I threw my hands up in the air and was like, preach. 
<laughs> because he, because I thought about, can you imagine if Mother's Milk was the leader of the boys? Yeah, exactly. There would be, it wouldn't just be if you see him call the police. It would be if you see him shoot on sight. That's why it was great because it would, because yeah, a person who's not thinking would be like, oh, he's talking about, you know, Homelander or something like that. But, you know, he's talking about Billy. He, he's talking about Butcher. He's looking right at Butcher. Like, you are raging over this thing that happened that you should be angry about. But shit like this happens. He's like, but Mother's Milk's story is almost, is very fucked up too. But he can't act like you. He can't respond like you. Nope. Uh, exactly that. And it was great. And so Butcher says, well, what makes you think you can control that racist bitch? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, listen, I will get Becker and Ryan somewhere. So I'll get Ryan safe and then you guys come and get him. And he was like, she was, and then, and then uh, Edgar was like, okay, cool. When you get, when we call you, we'll make sure Becker and Ryan are somewhere where Homelander can't find them. Butcher's like, no, 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 no. Becker is staying with me. You take Ryan and you take him somewhere and keep him away. And then Edgar was like, well, What's going to happen? What are you going to tell Becca? And then Butcher was like, if Becca shows up at your door, you tell her that we can't tell you where he is because that's the only way to keep her safe. Because she's like, the mother would do anything for their child. And then Edgar was like, well, who's the real maniac here? And I was like, that's real. That is, mm-hmm. that is an excellent point. This dude is about to sell his, his wife's son out because he hates soups. And the best part about all that was is, again, like Edgar kept his calm the entire time. Even the little bit of anger that he showed, it wasn't rage. It was it was just that. It was anger. It was like you could see that he was mad, but he also knew that he had to remember his bottom Not only did he have to remember his bottom line, he had to remember the company as well. Like he's, he, he still has a job to do. And granted, he could quit and, you know, and be fine for the rest of his life. But even then, with that job title, also enables him security from not being slaughtered by Homeland. If he quits, that, if he quits his job, Homeland will just kill, Homeland will kill him within like the first like day or so. But now that he has a security blanket, he's fine. Uh, well, I bet you Edgar's house is made out of the same material that their room is that they put Starlight in, where they can't use their powers. So if Homeland yeah. ever showed up, he wouldn't have no fucking powers. It was kind of reminiscent of, um, you ever read Brian Michael Bendis' uh, Powers? No. It's a really dope se- It's a really dope series. Um, it is very unlike Bendis, so there's um, superheroes, they're, they're a thing, supervillains are a thing, but if they put you in a specific room, there's a light that negates their powers. It was very reminiscent of that. Oh, I might check that out. Um, so then, um, I was like, at this point, at this scene, that was full Billy Butcher from the comic books. Like that is exactly what Billy Butcher in the comic books would have done, one thousand mm-hmm. percent in that scene. Um, so then, this was the scene here. So then they cut the storm front. Let me see if I can find the scene. But they go to the cabin, um, and uh, Ryan's in there, like, <laughs> in state capitals or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, doing his states again. And I'm like, what? Like, why are you still doing these states? Like, you should know these. If this is if you spend this much time doing these damn states, then you absolutely should know. 
You you should absolutely know your states, one hundred percent. Like not even close. But I also feel like, granted, like yes, we're making fun of him because it's kind of silly. But that's just how he calmed himself down because he has no. There was no other social interaction other than his mom. You know what I mean? So I get it, but it doesn't make it any less funny. And I think I do have this scene, so I'm gonna play this scene really quick, and then we'll talk about it. Don't give up. That's it. That's it. Keep going. A little more. A little more. You got it. <laughs> oh, hey, that's okay. He's trying to it. teach Ryan how to laser beam by beaming a action figure. I know what. Um, imagine, um, well, something. Of course, this will happen. Imagine someone you hate. Okay? So, try that. But at home, when I say hate, I have to put a quarter in a swear jar. Well, there's no swear jar here, so you can hate away. <laughs> but I don't really hate anyone. Oh, well, that is very sweet, Ryan. But that's not something we can afford. We're under attack. We are? Bad guys want to hurt us just because of what we look like. They want to wipe us from this earth just because of the color of our skin. Really? It's called white genocide. And you can make people like you to protect our country. Yo, yo, Homelander's look, or the yes. look at Homelander. Yo, even he's like, bitch, what? That is the best part of that scene. The best part of that scene is Homelander's face. Homelander's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I remember that scene, but I completely forgot about that one moment. It, I, it, it, when even Homelander's like, I don't know if the pussy's this good. Oh my gosh. Like, this scene is. Uh, so bad. Like it's oh, I jumped ahead. This wasn't the scene. Um, the scene before that, the scene I meant to talk about was when Homelander actually acted like a father for yeah. once, and he was just like, "Listen, this is what happened to me when I was a kid. I understand what it's like." And then you could tell, like, because Homelander was raised in a fucking science lab, so he had some traumatic shit. And he's like, "I had some shit to go on with me, but you know, nobody was there to teach me, but I'm gonna help teach you." But yeah. he wants approval so bad. Like, Homelander's whole thing is just he just needs approval and love and affection. Because he didn't get that as a, as a kid. So then they go back to the boys' hideout, and uh, Butcher says he's going to get the kid back. Uh, but he's like, listen. But he's, oh, first he sees the shit on uh, Stormfront, and he's like, this is great. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go get the kid, but I'm not going to ask any of y'all to do this. And Mother's Milk says, you can lick my big black balls. <laughs> Sorry, Becca. <laughs> and they were like, no, we've been doing all this fucking bum ass shit for you. Now we finally get to do something good and you want us to stay here? He's like, fuck no. And they all were like, you know, we're in. And so the butcher was like, all right. And so the Becca. I wish, put, I, could, huh? I, wish I could remember the, the Stormfront Nazi jingle. Oh, yeah. So then Butcher, Becca pulls Butcher aside and he's like, listen, 
Uh, she's like, you're not going. He's like, oh, no, I'm fucking going. It's my son. I'm going. And then she's like, I need you to promise me something. She's like, promise that you will save her, him and bring him back to me. She's like, promise me on your brother's soul. And then Butcher was like, I promise you on Lenny's soul that I will save him. So at this point, old man, did you think that Butcher was going to still sell him out to Vought because he hates soups? Or do you think he was actually going to try to save him? No, I, I knew he... At that point, my reaction was Butcher was going to do whatever Butcher was going to do. But because I knew this wasn't like the comic book version, I felt that like he was going to find a way to make sure that um, Becca and Ryan stayed together. It was I knew something was going to happen to have him have like a moment of clarity when he realized what he was doing was wrong. Yeah, and so he takes a look at the phone and he's just thinking like, I'm a man of my word. Like, all right, I gotta make a decision. And so then that's when they had the scene that I just played. Um, the but the best part of that scene, first of all, they went straight there with with Stormfront, which I love um, that they didn't hide that shit at all. Um, but the best part of that scene was Homelander's face when she said white genocide. Homelander's just like. You actually believe this bullshit? Like Homelander's just playing along because it's popular. Like Homelander is like Trump. Like I think Trump is a racist, but I don't think Trump is like. I don't think Trump would ever like. He's like KKK dude, fully. But I think Trump uh, is willing to play along with whatever the fuck he has to play along if he thinks it's going to make him popular with the people that's going to pay make him absolutely. rich. Absolutely. You know what? You know, I'm pretty sure this has been a popular narrative but you've actually said it better than anybody else because look at the fact that like dude he was on method man's album in the cow 2000 like hey method man we're still waiting for that album like you know what i mean there's been a ton of rappers talking about yeah we used to do coke with him in the bathroom we were fucking like you know we were hitting on women and da 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 so again it's not about him he it doesn't negate the fact that he's a he's a racist piece of shit and he's not standing up to people but again the phrase comes up again he's just weak-willed He's he not a true have... believer. No, Stormfront have... is a true believer. Like at that moment, because the whole time Homeland is like, yeah, whatever. Like, cause, cause Homeland, cause you gotta remember, this all started because Stormfront's numbers were higher than Homelanders. She was more popular. She was, and she was like, listen, I got this army of people that's like willing to do whatever the fuck I need them to do whenever I say do it. And so Homeland is like, oh, you know, maybe she's got a point. Maybe what she's talking about is real. Maybe I can't. And then she, and then she hyped him up like blew his balls and was like, oh, you know, you're the perfect Aryan person that we wanted. Like, you're everything that we wish for. And he's getting, you know, because he wants affection. But then when she, he's talking to his son, who in some part of Homelander's heart, he does not want Ryan to turn out like him. In some part yeah. of his heart, he doesn't want that. And he sees this woman saying, like, white genocide. And he still doesn't have the balls or the will to say anything. But he's, his look is like, Oh my gosh, she really believes this shit. Like she really yeah. believes this shit. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, oh all right. <laughs> and then that's when Stormfront's phone blows up because the news has the leaks uh of all her uh Nazi paraphernalia and Nazi pictures. And I was like, That's a rap for you, Stormfront. Mm-hmm. So the boys leak the shit to the Stormfront. Stormfront takes off. They're like, Oh, she's gone. 
Frenchie and uh, Kimiko set these sound things off, which fucks with. It's a sonic blast that like only people with super hearing can hear. So it fucks with Ryan and Homelander. Homelander goes and finds it. When he leaves, Butcher pulls up in the car with uh, with Becca. They get Ryan out of there, and they're trying to get away. They come back to the meetup spot, and they're like, "All right, go." And then MM's like, "That's not the plan." He's like, "No, change the plan." He's like, "That's not the plan." He's like, "Take her to Mallory." Get them safe. And Becca's like, what are you talking about? What's going on? And the butcher's like, listen, I made a deal with Edgar. The deal I made with Edgar is that I would get Ryan out, give him Ryan. He would take Ryan somewhere, and me and you would go be by ourselves. And he was like, but I couldn't do it. Like, I just couldn't do it. And Becca's like, what are you, what are you talking about? He's like, I, I made a deal. I was going to turn on you, but I couldn't do it. And she's like, come with me. And he's like, I just told you this. Aren't you fucked and mad at me that I was going to turn on you? And she was like, but you didn't do it. And she's like, I know you wouldn't do anything like that. And and he's like, well, how you know I won't do it again? How you know I won't sell you out the next time? And she's like, because you didn't do it now. You're not going to do it again. And then Butcher's like, listen, just let me do this. Just go be safe. Like, I want you all to be safe. Just go. And I was like, yo, this scene was the most emotional scene in the first two seasons of this show. Absolutely. Those two actors and actresses, they played that shit perfectly. It made me feel like I felt Butcher's pain. It's, it was, Butcher was basically like, Becca saved her, him. Now let me save you. Like, I, this hurts me more than anything to lose you. But I know you losing your son is going to hurt even more than that. And what kind of what kind of marriage would we have if I sold your son down the road? Like, what kind of, our marriage would be built on a lie. And I couldn't live, like, that's basically what he was saying. I couldn't live with myself. And I love that because to me, this was a clear distinction between the Billy Butcher in the comic books and the Billy Butcher in the TV show. Because the Billy Butcher in the comic books at this point would not have done that. I agree. Earlier in his career, like when he first, like if he would have got back and back immediately, I think he would have done something like this. But down the road after they went through all that shit with the soups, Butcher was too hell-bent on stopping soups. But I also think that, um, and one of the things that Mother's Milk had said when he called Huey his canary, he's the reason that Butcher, Huey is the reason that Butcher is softer, for the lack of a better term. Like, you know what I mean? Because without him, he wouldn't have given Starlight a chance. You know what I mean? So that moment they had in the hospital, I think was probably the biggest moment for uh for butcher where he realized that like you know not everybody is going to be that way yeah i like this scene just it just it 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 will tug on you a little bit and for a show that has so much gore and violence and comedy and outrageousness when they have to hit the emotional points they hit them and that's one of the things i tell people all the time i was like when you're watching the when you're watching the boys you have to be able to move past all the extreme things that you're seeing because there really is a great underlying story in all, in all of this. And it's a little harder in the books than on the TV show because oh, the books you. get really, <laughs> the books go really wild, which we'll talk about at the end. Uh, we'll talk about at the end here as well, uh, a couple things with that um, as well. But uh, so they pull off, Mother's Milk takes them, and then Stormfront shows back up Stops right in front of the fucking car and lightens that shit like 50 yards. I said, oh, fuck, she killed Becca. 
but she didn't. Becca was alive, so it was MM. Of course, Ryan was okay because he's a suit. Um, and so they all take off, and then MM was like, yo, get them out of here. We got this. I said, okay. So MM, Starlight, Kimiko, and Frenchie, y'all going to take on Stormfront? Wasn't looking good for them for a while. Uh, Stormfront, Kimiko was basically like, I'm going to stick my boot up your kitty. And they went after her. And they were getting some licks in her first start. We finally got our superhero power fight that we've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they got some licks in early. But Stormfront is a powerful person. And she starts uh-huh. fucking them up. And then out of nowhere, like, you know, you know, in Endgame when, when Falcon was like, Cap, I'm on your right. That's a set. Like, Maeve shows up and fucking starts beating the shit out of uh, Stormfront. And then they all come in and jump and stomp them. And M.M. and Frenchie were like... Hold on, hold on. I want to make sure, because I specifically loaded this up so that we, I could play it when um when it started. <laughs> oh, come on. The one time I had something queued up already done... I got him. Okay, I completely fucked this. Check it out. Oh, here we go. Yo, as soon as they started beating down, all I could think was stomp them in the nuts. This is what happened. That is what happened. And then they were like, girls do it better. <laughs> because that was a thing from the seven. But I love that they brought them all the way back, though. Now, They're like, Crip Key has come out since the show. And he basically said that this was supposed to be a spoof on uh, the scene in Avengers Endgame when all the women got together at the end to fuck up Thanos. Um, and yeah, I, I saw that narrative as well. And I was like, okay, that's your idea. But then the bad part about that is what happens is then all the ashy, patriarchy, toxic men on Twitter get that and go, see, we told you that scene was forced. Even Kripke thinks it's forced. He thought can it I was just, too much. Can I, I'm, I'm going to get on my soapbox real quick. So some people say the scene was forced. I don't agree. I don't think it was forced. I thought it was a great scene. And to all of you who thought it was forced, who gives a shit? It was a fucking good scene. Who cares? That scene was dope. The, like the fact that Okoye took out one of um the Black Order in one shot was fucking cool. Shuri just running in there with reckless abandonment with her gauntlets was fucking awesome. Mantis cracked her knuckles and was like, "Let's fucking go." Who cares that the scene was forced? The scene was fucking dope. It served a purpose. Let people have things. Like, it, it is, like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> All right, rant over. But even worse than that, it, it was, quote, unquote, force, if that's the word you want to use. But the whole third act of Endgame was nothing but fan service. That was the whole point. The yeah. whole third act was forced. It was all forced. It was uh-huh. all fan service moments for fans. And, yes, there are women who love those characters and like the show and like these movies and want to see the women kick some ass. So they got fan service too. Just like you got fan service with everything else that happened in that fucking third act. 
So shut the fuck up. And I'm mad at Kripke for putting that out there like that to let people run with that shit. Um, but it, they, it, it, it's dumb, man. Like, and you said it right, man. That the whole third act was fucking forced. Like, okay. This is one of the funniest things ever. I've been watching a lot of um, what is it? Pitch meetings. Uh, the YouTube thing Screen Rant does, and one of my favorite things is they go, "Well, why don't they just do that? Because money in the show would end if we did it this way." And it's like, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, like, dude, that's just how it goes. And don't get me wrong, it's fun to be like, "Oh, well, why don't they just do this? And why don't they just do that?" It's fun, but like between like like this takes two the two of us for example. We will talk about certain things that happen in shows and movies and comic books and go, well, why don't they just do this? But we're also under the realization that the only reason this happens is because if they did, there would be no comic, there would be no movie, there would be no show. But the idea of these of the people who really take this shit so serious that they're like, they're like, it's like if my character isn't right, then I'll die. And it's like, calm the fuck down. Like it's like listening to uh, Kelly, like Kelly Thompson's. Uh, like her, the people who are angry at her are hysterical. They're like, "You made me hate Captain Marvel, and you hate made me hate this." And I'm like, "Shit, she's the only reason I like Captain Marvel is because she did a really good job of writing her." You know what I mean? It's just like, it's like, why are you so angry at something? The simplest thing to do is to stop buying the stop buying the issues, unfollow the person, and live your life without anger. And then, but the idea, it would be one thing if. This person was like, I don't know, Crypt Keeper, whatever his name is. It would be one thing if there was like, oh, they're spoofing it. Which it may have been. It may have been a spoof of that. He kind of, but, uh, he kind of alluded to that. Yeah, but even like spoofs are paying homage to like the real thing. You know what I mean? Like this is the boy's version of that. It was still women empowering because it was like the dudes couldn't get it done. So the women had to. You know what I mean? It was still empowering. And I think that's the part that really befuddles me because that... Because the actual message of it is what gets lost in all of this. Yeah, we'll get into what he said after this uh, because he said some other shit that makes you start to question a little bit uh, what he's talking about. But uh, Stormlander flies, I mean, Stormfront flies off. Uh, She cuts off Butcher and uh, Ryan and she's about to kill Becca. And Butcher's hitting it with the fucking crowbar. And he's not doing shit. And then Ryan just fucking feet, gets fed up and hits a Cyclops optical beam blast and fucking destroys Stormfront. Just obliterates her. Fries her to a crisp on barbecue mm-hmm. her. You come back. Stormfront has no legs, no arms. It's just <laughs> burnt to a crisp, speaking in German. And I'm just like, she's fucked. Like, she's so fucked. Um... Um, and then uh, Homelander shows up. Oh, no, then so, you see that Becca is basically dying because uh, you know Ryan can't control his powers and then accidentally got Becca. And then Becca's like, "He's good, but Billy, he's good. Tell him, make sure he knows it's not his fault. He's good. Promise me you'll keep him safe." And then she dies. And then back, then Butcher stands up and he looks like he's about to rip Ryan's head off at this point. And I'm like, Butcher, don't do it. Don't do it. And then Homelander shows up. And Homelander is already going crazy because he just killed a million security guards. <laughs> and he's got blood all over him. And he's already freaking out. And he's like, it's my son. He's mine. Give him back. And then Butcher stands in front of Ryan. And I was like, yes. And Butcher's like, I made a promise. And Butcher was ready to die. 
right then. He was like, I can't beat you, Homelander, but I made a promise to my wife. And so if I just let you have him, I can't live with myself, so I might as well die. And so right when Homelander was like, all right, have it that your way, Maeve shows up. And Maeve is like, he's homeless, what the fuck are you doing here? And Maeve's like, uh, you're going to leave Butcher alone, you're going to leave Ryan alone, you're going to leave me alone, you're going to leave Starlight alone. And he's like, why the fuck would I do that shit? And she's like, oh, because I'll show everybody this. And she pulls out the video from that plane in season one. And the, the and they, they keep tugging on this thing more than anything, is that more than anything in the world, Homelander wants to be loved. He wants affection. He needs the people. He needs all those amazing people to love him because he didn't get that growing up. And then he was like, if you released it, I will destroy everything. And I was like, that's a sign. That's a sign. Uh, and so he's, he lets them go. They end up doing a press conference where they blame everything on um, Stormfront. But here's the thing. Stormfront's still alive. She's still alive. Mm-hmm. The actress says she's going to be in season three. We know that Vought people can regenerate stuff, so we, she may not be the back to normal, but she's not gone. So just so y'all know, Stormfront ain't dead. Um, then they cut to the collective. And, so let me just, real quick, yeah. though, the one thing I want to mention is I was actually having this conversation with someone about like what was going on with Stormfront. And the problem with Stormfront is, uh, one, she can regenerate. But the biggest issue is whether or not she can regenerate if her wounds have been cauterized. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, her arms and legs may, that may be it. She may be quite, like, she may just be without her limbs. You know what I mean? So that, that could be the end of that. And then you got to remember, like, her eye was, like, uh, Becca stabbed her eye out in the same thing. Her eye, That's her eye. That's what happened eye. to him in the books. Huh? That's what happened to him in the books. He got his eye stabbed out by the boys. So, my biggest wonder is, I, I'm wondering whether or not, we'll see her as just like armless, legless, like in a bed. Um, are they going to try to experiment on her and give her like mechanical limbs and then try to reinvent her for the Lord knows how many times, time, do you know what I mean? Or here's another, here's another thing that we, we have to acknowledge. Just because she's in season three doesn't necessarily mean she's going to be in more one episode. At the end of episode one, Homelander may just suffocate her and kill her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't know. And we all, and there's also the idea that in um, the comic book, Lamplighter like was a dead. Zombie. It was a zombie. Thank you. He was a zombie, and he was like they were cleaning up his own. They was cleaning up his poop and stuff like that. That could be um, Stormfront's new um, idea, because when she, before she died, she was speaking in German. So she could have essentially just lost her mind. So she could just be a mindless, limbless, like, shell of herself, which, which, you know, is exactly what she deserves. She doesn't deserve death. Death is too good for her. She deserves to live a life of, like, pain and, like, misery. So I wonder whether or not this is going to be a thing where they replace Lamplighter with Stormfront being that person, or this ends with Homelander loving her, quote-unquote, and then putting her out of her misery. Yep. So then they cut to the Church of the Collective, and he's talking to Deep and A-Train. He's like, yeah, somebody broke into our archives and revealed some shit. And what do you know about that, A-Train? And then Deep is such a fucking <laughs> suck-up. He's like, I didn't know anything about that, sir. What the fuck, A-Train? 
And then yeah. A-Train was like, well, listen. He was like, well, I think that took great initiative. And A-Train was like, what? And he was like, yeah. And, you know, Vought kind of has a Nazi issue, image problem. So A-Train was like, so I'm back? And he was like, yep, you're back. And then he was like, yes. And he slapped high five to the deep. And deep was like, yeah. <laughs> he tried to play, yeah. And then he was like, so, so, so what about me? And then he was like, well, you know. <laughs> he, gave him, he gave him that line that Edgar gave him about two people. And the deep's like, I believed all this bullshit that you talked about and this and that and you stabbed me in the base. like, fuck you. And then Alistair was like, you're you're being a toxic personality right now. I think you should leave. <laughs> That's such a Scientology thing. It was so great. Yeah. So uh, then Huey and Annie uh, were talking and Huey was basically like, well, I need to let, I've been clingy on so many things. I need to just let shit go. And then Andy was like, well, we tried to make it work, but, you know, I kind of understand. And he was like, oh, no, no, no. You think I'm a fucking nuts? I'm not trying to l- let you go. No, no, no. We're good. I'm talking about the boys. Who, and so basically, Huey's going to take a break from the boys. So then they cut to Butcher and Ryan. And this is Butcher, like, showing a completely different side of him. He's having this. What did sh- I huh? Don't be a cunt. Yeah. What did I teach? Don't be a cunt. That is Billy Butcher. <laughs> That is him. He would absolutely say, don't be a cut. So this was the exact moment where we're getting, I realized we're getting Butcher from the comics. Yes. From here. Same from thing. Here. I, that's what I wrote in my notes. That's exactly is, what we're getting right now. Because, it was just, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say that it was like just the idea of like the way he walked away from, um, is it Mallory? Mallory. Yeah. yeah, the way he walked away from Mallory after she offered him the job, it's like she offered it to him, but it wasn't like it didn't have an expiration date. So he obviously needs some time to kind of like just regroup from everything and just kind of get his thoughts together. But just the idea of he gave it was like him telling that to Ryan was giving him a warning. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you have these powers. And just don't forget that I know who you are. But he said it in so many words without with like telling Ryan to be a good person or else. But he also kind of gave a nod to like the, the creators gave a nod to the audience that like Butcher is not going to be the Butcher that we've seen. Because not only did his wife die, his wife quote unquote died. Then he finds out she's alive and has a kid. And then he has to watch her die in his arms. Like, that's the type of shit that can really destroy a human being. So the butcher that we saw at the end of the comic book, that's the butcher we're getting now. The butcher we got in the comic book, this is the one that I've been screaming and yelling about since season one. And he's going to go from this character that everybody loved and admired to someone that we're going to go, oh, my God, you are a horrible human being and you need to be stopped. I think so, in a way. I also think... They've given him enough humanity to the point that they've changed his character to the point that you don't think he's going to go way, 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 way over the line. But what I do think they're going to do is they're going to give us the first however many volumes of The Boys. Like, what we're about to get is The Boys comic books coming up. Cause that's mm-hmm. So basically, Ma- Mallory says, listen, Victoria Newman got some money from the White House to start this soup oversight committee. Give me a pause for like five, maybe ten minutes. Someone's gonna help Maria with bags. Yeah, give me five, ten minutes, right? Mm -hmm. So we're back. So basically, Mallory tells Butcher, 
you know, I got this money from you from Victoria Newman. We got this uh, special, you know, we I could siphon it off. We had this case to keep an eye on the soups. And that's what, when you first tune into the boys' comic books, that's what's happening. The boys yeah. are together, and their job is to keep an eye on soups. Um, and so I think we're going to see a lot of the crazy characters uh, from the comic books. And this is, gives me a second because we're going to get into some, some news really quick before we get out of here. But this is a perfect time to talk about it. Uh, they already said they're doing Herogasm in yep. season three. Not full Herogasm because, of course, they can't do that shit. Uh, but no, they're going to do not. a version of Hero Gasm. Which means we're going to get some other soups. I'm hoping we get the G-Men. Because if we get the G-Men, that shit will make my fucking day. Um, I think G-Men in their um, spinoff. Yeah, I hope they don't do the fucking spinoff. Oh, God, here we go with this again. I hope they don't do the fucking spinoff. It's a bad idea. You think it's a good idea? I think it's a good idea as long as they don't go crazy with spinoffs. I think it's a good idea to kind of have a um, kind of a backstory to how Vought really gets down on things. How do you I don't do think... a spinoff on a show after two seasons? Because I don't think this is going to be a current thing. I'm kind of looking at this as going to be something that they do previous tour, previous to like season two or maybe even season like one. Agent Carter. Yeah, well, we kind of see how Vought gets, like, you know, how Vought grooms its bigger heroes. Like, you know what I mean? But the problem is they didn't build the world. They didn't really build a world in this show. This show is about the boys and it's about the seven. So there's no other, like, usually a spinoff is like, okay, there's this larger world around here that you guys need to know about that you want to hear about, and then we're going to tell you a story about them. But with the boys, the way that it seems is that there's some other soups, like we find out about Teenage Kick in the in the, in the little small like church team that Starlight is on. But that's really it. Like you hear something about Tech Knight in the background, but you don't really, it's like in the comic books, there's like a whole bunch of soups, like a whole so- bunch of soups. All right, so now look. Now let's look at it like this. Let's keep the same idea where this is just a one-off spinoff, not something that they're going to be doing continuously. And after everything that happened in season two, like it's gone public now that uh, Compound V is a thing, that Stormfront was a Nazi. So now this could be a way for them to go, hey, Vaught America has found a way to train its future blah, 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 and heroes. Like, you know what I mean? And this could just be a one-off thing where they try it for like eight episodes um, or seven episodes. And then on the eighth episode, they're like, this is a failed experiment. Blow all their heads up. You know what I mean? So I don't see this. I mean, I I'll watch it. <laughs> i watch anything. I'm watching. I'm going to watch the stupid-ass Snyder Cut, even though I know it's going to be terrible. Oh, God. I, I cannot wait to shit on that. Um, actually, I'm not, uh, I think it, I like Batman v Superman. I like Justice League. But I think the Snyder Cut is a stupid idea. I think that fanboys are just looking for something. And I think that this is a horrible idea that was planned uh, way before we even knew about it. Because HBO Max has probably been in works longer than we know. And I think they're like, hey, hold this, uh, hold this idea. Hold these X amount of um, minutes and scenes. And when HBO Max comes out, we're going to release uh, something and then their genius marketing team was like, hey, throw it on the social media, throw out this something called the Snyder Cut. 
and we've been anticipating this forever. And God, we, why haven't we done a comic book conspiracy theory episode yet? We can definitely do one. All right. So, long story short, um, I don't see this going longer than a season, only because I don't think that the premise of this is good enough to last too long on Amazon. If this was a CW thing, oh, this could go like 15 years. But seeing as how this is an Amazon Max thing, this is uh, based off the boys, I don't see this going longer than one season, two tops, if the show's only going to go five seasons. But even with the boys, comic book, there's some one-offs and one-shots there ain't been a whole bunch of little miniseries and spinoff books from the boys' comic books. It was that story, and that's pretty much it because that's what people came to see. But uh, let's finish this up. So then uh, M.M. Uh, M.M. gets to see his family, which is great. Frenchie and Kimiko are getting closer, which is great. I don't think they're quite dating, but they're getting close. Um I- then, then we see Homelander. They did the scene from the comic book. Mm-hmm. On top of a building, losing his fucking mind, jerking off <laughs> on the whole world. I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> Homelander's going to be a fucking problem in season three. Oh, and like, oh, let me tell you, before that, you could tell he was going to be a problem. When he was given that speech, a buddy of mine was like, yo, what was up with his eyes? I was like, he was crying and wanted to laser everybody in sight. Mm-hmm. That was the moment when I realized the world is fucked. He's officially snapped. Oh, yeah. Because Homer is about to be a problem. This is what I imagined his eyes looked like when he was um, imagining um, killing everybody at that rally. Because that's what he wanted to do when he was giving out that... Um, giving out that press release and the fact that like now uh starlight's back in her old costume um mave standing up next to him they're both kind of like so i don't know if homelander knows that starlight knows but mave standing up there behind them like what the fuck are you going to do at this point it's kind of like eh, you know what i mean don't push it with homelander nope so uh then we see uh alistair talking to vic um Victoria Newman, he's like, look, I got a ton of dirt on these soups. Like, listen, you opening this thing up? Like, the church, the church can go both ways, girl. The church can go both ways. <laughs> and Vic was like, Victoria Newman was like, all right, thank you. Send that shit over, and I'm good. Then we find out that she, then she blows his fucking head off, and we find out that it's her that's a soup. Old man, is she working for Vought? Is she working for herself? Like, what what's going on with Victoria Newman? You know what? I'm gonna put it to you like this: We're all working for Vought, and we just don't know it. But remember, remember in the fucking beginning of the episode when they're talking to that con- the Republican congressman, she says, "No, no, no, no. Vought did this. It's a plan. They're doing that. They killed their own people to cover their own ass." She now you think back to it. She's the one that did that. We're all working for Vought, and we don't even know it. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I don't think it, Victoria Newman is definitely working for Vought, but I think it goes much deeper than even she knows. You know what I mean? Like, so she cleans up a lot of loose ends, and even and every smart company knows that. Like, 
you have to be able to cater to as many people as possible. So while Vought caters to the Republican side and of things, Victoria Newman is working for Vought and she's working towards the Republican and more liberal side of things. You know what I mean? So like it's it's legitimate because like essentially Billy was working for Vought and he didn't even know it. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's the type of stuff that like Billy's gonna start to um, come to realize in season three. And I think Victoria Newman is, is she definitely died. Billy's gonna kill her in season three. You think if so? Billy doesn't kill her, if Billy doesn't kill her, then Huey will. One of them are gonna kill um, Victoria Newman in season three. Absolutely. And then we find out that Huey decides to take a job in her little task force um, to do it officially and not be off the books with the boys. Mm-hmm. And then the season ends. Um, so there's a couple things here. Um, where is it at? So this is what Kripke said. He said, um, Kripke was asked about what he feels are the these franchises' shortcomings, like the MCU. Uh, he said, but he feels that there are too many movies. He called the franchise as a whole dangerous. Then elaborated by saying, it's a little dangerous to train an entire generation to wait for someone strong to come and save you. He says, that's, that's I think, how you end up with people like Trump and populists who say, I'm the only one who can come in. It's going to be me. And I think that I think in the way that pop culture conditions people sub- subtly, I think it's conditioning them the wrong way because there's just too much of it. So I think it's nice to have a corrective, at least a small one, in us to say, they're not coming to save you. Hold your family together and save yourselves. Now. What is he babbling about? He's saying that's what the boys is. So the boys is basically, he's, uh, okay, so basically what he's saying is superheroes act like superheroes and they come and save you. But having all that goody-goodiness of people coming in to save you creates an environment where people like Trump can come in and say, I'm the only person who can fix everything. You know, that type of shit. And so what he's trying to do with the boys is make a show where the soups, the quote-unquote good guys, aren't actually the good guys. That was Garfield Ennis' thing. I get that. The good guys aren't who you think they are, right? Fine. Uh, why? What does that have to do with Marvel? Like, That's my point. Like, I don't get what any of this has to do any. I don't get what any of that has to do with Marvel. If he's trying to say that like Marvel is like flooding the market, even that doesn't make any sense because everyone talks about comic book movies as if they're a separate genre. Are they? Yes, because they're based off of specific characters. But in the grand scheme of things, comic book comic book movies and shows are all born are brought can all be brought into different genres. The Boys has a lot of action, but I wouldn't consider it an action series. It's more dramatic than it is anything else. Um, the Marvel Comics movies can all be um, dropped into different genres. Like I was writing, I'm, writing, I'm writing, currently writing an article with Bam Smack Pal, and I keep bringing up how Ant Man and the Wasp is more of a Disney movie than it is a Marvel. Movie. Of course. Like, you know what I mean? mm-hmm. So I don't get the idea of like, oh, comic book movies are taking over and. And what was it? Uh, what the fuck is it? The dude who wrote um, Watchmen and the Killing Joke? Um, uh, Moore? Alan Moore. Alan Moore. He's a fucking idiot. Like, oh, yeah. super, superhero movies for kids. Dog, you wrote Watchmen and the Killing Joke. 
<laughs> if if you wrote those movies for kids, then you are a sociopath. But um, I don't think that statement makes any sense. I think that, but again, like, but again, art is subjective, and and I get that is because I look at them. I don't look at the boys like that. The boys for me was always the idea of fi- is of like love, not just romantic love, but friendship, family, and finding that love where you can get it. Uh, Huey wasn't going to get that love from his dad. Huey wasn't going to get um, anywhere living where he was. Uh, Butcher wasn't going to get that love um, doing the things that he does. Same thing with Mother's Milk. Same thing with um, Kamiko and Mother's Milk. I'm uh, Mother's Milk. Uh, Kamiko and Frenchie. Even if the two of them are never romantic, which I hope they never are, they found love within each other. And I think that is super important for the two of them. And I think that's what... But again, this is just my opinion on it. I feel like The Boys is more about finding different kinds of love where you can get it. I don't look at that as like saving yourself and things of that nature, but that's just my thought on that. You know what I mean? I could be wrong and the writers may have, the writers and creators may have a whole different way of looking at it. Like people look at um, modern art and sculpture and they pick different things out of it and how it makes them feel. That's no different than TV shows and movies and music. You find something the way it is, but I don't also don't think you can compare anything that the boys is doing to what Marvel is doing specifically because they're not the same. Yes, they're both based off of comic books, but that's where the similarities stop. Yep. They also are very similar in a lot of ways because they both, unlike DC, embrace their source material. They take their source material and they bring it to life. They take. They don't try to change the source material. They don't try to pretend like shit doesn't make sense. They don't try to tell stories out of order. They take the source material and they tell you the story. Um, but I just didn't think that made much sense. Even though I like Kripke and I like his work, I just didn't think that made sense. Um, it didn't make. Um, I don't know. This is the first time I've actually even heard of this person, so like I don't know anything about. He's him. a showrunner for the for the boys, so uh, he's done a great job, by the way. And he's not like Ethan Van Scriver. He's not a Trump oh, person or anything like that. Yeah, you know what? I'm an idiot. Like, I actually mentioned his name while I was talking about that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know. And, and again, like I said, art is, art is open to the interpretation. Like, he felt one way about it, and I'm a bit jaded because of the comic book. Like, you know what I mean? And so I see a lot of Garth Ennis's ways in the actual idea of the, of the show. But, you know, if that's what he feels about it, then cool. That's his art, his baby. Well, not his baby. It's his art. It's his stepchild. You know, do what you do with do with it as you will. I just don't look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So before we get out of here, two things. Uh, one, what are you looking forward to season three? I'm glad you brought it up because I wrote an article about that. So I have six burning questions after the season finale. One of them is, what happens to the deep? Uh, next question is Stormfront dead? But well, we've already covered that. Uh, is this just the beginning for Homelander? We also covered that. Who will replace the Deep? Um, that's another one we got to worry about. And the last two is: uh, Will the team take? Will the boys take Compound V? And what's next for? What's up with Victoria Newman? With something else we covered. So which is funny. Five out of the six questions I had we covered on the show. I think somebody in the boys will take Compound V. I don't think the whole team is going to take it. But I think somebody is going to get V. I think it's going to be Huey. Huh. 
I think that's the best story in this universe. I don't see because I want what, Huey to do what. Well, they kind of had him do it in a different way. Then the, remember he killed Blarmy Cock. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted him to have something like that, but he kind of did do that, but translucent in a way. So yeah, maybe they won't have Huey do it. Now that I think about that, um, I. I can't, I'm trying to find a way to argue it making more sense for Huey to get Compound V, but I can't. It does make the most sense for Huey to be the one to take Compound V. As much as um, Butcher would make sense, I I can totally see a situation where they're trying to get it so like Butcher can take it, and Butcher's in a situation where he's about to get killed, and Huey has to take it in order to save Butcher's life. Um, I could see Mother's Milk taking it, but then it also wouldn't make any sense. Right. Uh, Frenchie, I think, I think Frenchie taking the compound V takes away from who he is because he's just too smart and cunning to need it. You know what I mean? Um, and I also don't think he would because I think Kamiko would look at him a, a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, so. By process of, process of elimination, it would make the most sense for Huey or Butcher to be the ones to take it. Um, and then lastly, on a little separate note, uh, what are you reading now? Oh, God. Um, anything with an X in the title. Yes. Are you, how do you like X's swords? Dude. Um, so the we, we may have talked about this separately, but when I first read the X-Men leading up to X's swords, I was underwhelmed. And then I read issue one, and I'm like, eh. And then it got with the shit. So I'm like, all right. So yeah, this is this is gonna be Excellent incredible. Stars is what like 24 parts or something like that. Who knows? But one thing I love about the X Men titles, since um, Messiah Complex, is they're staying specifically within the books. So you're getting something every week, as opposed to like waiting month to month, like you did with like House of M, Civil War. And like you know, titles like that. So you're getting, and not even just one issue. You're getting like two or three issues a week now, and it's so damn good, man. I'm, I am absolutely loving everything that Hickman has been doing. I told with, you, Hickman is the goat. He, he I'm, I'm finding it really hard to dispute that. Um, Exorcist is 22 issues. So I propose when we get halfway through that me and you do an episode. I'm at, I'm, I'm absolutely with it. Um, just on a separate note, I'm actually going through Invincible for the third time. I've never read the, it, so I need to read it before the cartoon uh, comes. Um, I can give you my login. Uh, Miles Morales' Spider-Man has continued to be a must-read for me. I have them in my backlog. I have all the issues. I just haven't read them yet. Uh, what else am I reading? They did a sale last week on uh, Comixology called Who Needs Powers? So I grabbed uh, Grayson. I grabbed... Have you read Grayson? Not yet. Oh, Grayson's my shit. I bought. I literally bought every Grayson issue. It was like $4. Like, yeah, I'll buy all these. Um, I grabbed Green Arrow, DC Rebirth. I grabbed Red Hood and Arsenal, which I'm shocked I didn't have. Um, but yeah, so that's currently what I'm reading that's pretty old. Grayson is um, my favorite thing from New 52. It's so great. Yeah, he's like a spy. So he's uh, Dick Grayson is like 
under he's going underground as a spy in this like spy organization. So he's not Nightwing. He's Grayson. So I've been um I've been diving heavily into DC comics recently. Um and like kind of catching up. I bought uh Batman The Return of Bruce Wayne. Um I grabbed some Batwoman. Uh but I if I can if I can suggest one book that just started, Kelly Thompson's Black Widow is two issues in. It's fucking good. I have those, I haven't read them yet. Um and if and to quote something, I'm not sure if it was you or Javi who said this. But Naomi was so good, it's worth the money just for the artwork. Mm-hmm. The artwork in Black Widow is so damn good, man. Um, and this again, I'm not I haven't really been a fan of Black Widow, but I also haven't really given her a chance. And this is one of the things I love about being knowledgeable about comic books is when you find a writer that you really love, if they put something out, you're on it. Yeah. So I am with Hickman. It doesn't matter what he puts out. I'm that's what's been with me like with Hickman I'm a Hickman I'm like going in like I'm starting to grab things from him that he did previously like we had a conversation about uh the Fantastic Four run which I absolutely loved like it was like Secret Warriors like, you should try that dude, Shield, were, Shield is incredible it's incredible that's right right up your alley let me tell you there were parts of the Fantastic Four run of Hickman that brought tears to my eyes mm-hmm. like the way they really broke down Ben Grimm was just incredible, man. Did Johnny Storm like, sacrifice himself? Oh God! Did she, that that I read previously didn't know that was Hickman, but like seeing like how long Ben Grimm's gonna live and like what he goes through, um, like Reed like spending more time with him, and like I don't know what I don't know how he him and I think Dan Slott's writing the new Fantastic Four. I don't know how so many people missed the mark on the Fantastic Four until the last 10 or 15 years. And one of the things, and I didn't get into the Fantastic Four until like 2005, maybe 2008, mm-hmm. right around the time like Marvel did its like big change. And I remember writing an article years ago about how the biggest problem with the Fantastic Four is none of their characters evolved except for the Invisible Woman. But like Hickman had all of them evolved. Like Sue Storm, Sue Storm became, continued to be this powerhouse bad motherfucker. Uh, Reed was like he became manipulative. He um, increased his genius. Valeria was just awesome. Ben Grimm and Johnny they weren't just two comedic like siblings. Like everything about that the run the Fantastic Run has been has gotten better over the last decade and a half. Um, and Dan Slott's run has been improving that. And lastly, read Immortal Hulk if you enjoy if you enjoy anything about horror, a good story, make sure you are reading Immortal Hulk. It is one of the five best, and I shouldn't say five because there's about 10 Marvel comic, there's about 10 X-Men books out, but it's definitely one of the, like, the 10 or 20 best Marvel comic books that's out right now. Like the Mortal Hulk is just it's 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 slowly becoming one of the best runs of all time. Like I've gone back and I've started issue one and kind of like so I'll finish the series, start from the beginning and go through. And it's and every time I read it, it's like, wow, this is so dope. It's so deep. But then within all within all this like complexity, it's so damn dark, man. It's 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 close to perfection. But I can't say it's perfect until the series is over. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I'm just getting back to reading. I, I took a break. Not took a break, but I've just been busy with a bunch of other stuff. But I actually bought a Kindle because I have an iPad Pro. My iPad Pro is like 12 inches and it's heavy. And I get sick of holding that big fucking iPad and reading my <laughs> books. And so on Prime Day, they had Kindle Fires on sale. I got one for $40. That's and the Kindle bad. Fire just fits right in your hand like a little book. It weighs like nine ounces. It's light. It's easy. And so I just got that and I set that up so I can get back to reading my comic books. Um, but I have been re I did go back and read Doomsday Clock again because I wanted to reread that. And that was really, really the, the second time reading it, it was like, oh my God, I didn't pick up on this. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Just the one um, the, the the Watchmen getting into the DC universe? Yes. Alright, I read it once and I liked it. I, I'm thinking about going back and reading it again. It's so much, oh, I read it the second time I was like, oh, this is great. I, then I watched the video on it I was like, ah, oh, even more. I didn't get on it. It was so great. Uh, so I went back and re- reread Doomsday Clock. Um, I've been reading all the X-books. I've been keeping up with my X-books. The most recent issue of Marauders, I loved Sweet Chris. Uh, Storm Jerry, Jerry, Duggan. Jerry Duggan's becoming that dude, man. Jerry yeah. Duggan is fantastic. Um, and I need to get, I need to read Excellence about the black people wielding magic, especially after Lovecraft Country. I was like, oh, now I really want to read this. Huh? What's it called? Excellence. Uh, Excellence Image Comics. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, Excellence Image Comics. Uh, we've, I talked about this before, but it's. Spencer Dales was born into a world of magic. His father belongs to the Aegis, a secret society of black magicians ordered by their unseen masters to better their lives of others, uh, to better the lives of others, those with greater potential, but never themselves. Now it's time for Spencer to follow in his father's footsteps, but all he sees is a broken system in need of someone with the wand and the will to change it. But in this fight for a better future, who will stand beside him? Oh, perfect. So um, I'm looking at it's on Comixology. I'm definitely going to... Oh, the first... You got about so limited, so some of them are probably free for you. Uh, the first, the very first issue is free. So that's cool, because I like the fact that they don't... Sometimes I like that there's like a, a complete like volume out on um, Comixology, but I also kind of like when they just give you one issue, mm-hmm. and they're like, all right, here's your one issue. You're going to have to buy the rest for free. Because that's... um, It's kind of cool, and... God, when when is Saga coming back out? I have no idea. Don't get me started Dude, on that. I, can I tell you how much I hate you for that? That's my favorite book, and I'm just sitting here like... He's another one of those dudes. Um, Saga is... Is that Kirkman? Brian K. Vaughn. Brian K. Vaughn. Mm-hmm. What? Brian K. Vaughn's that dude, and uh, Robert Kirkman, man. Yes. Kirkman, Kirkman wrote Why the Last Man, which was perfect. Um, Invincible. What? I haven't... I, I have The Walking Dead. I've never actually read it. No, excuse me. I got through about the first half the um, the compendium, and it's so damn good, man. And it's funny. It, the book is so damn good that it makes me hate the show even more. The show was good for a while, and then fell off a cliff. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what I'm reading. Um, so I'm getting back to my books. Um I just, when I went home, I shipped my books back that was at my mother-in-law's house, and I forgot that I had, like, every issue of Batman 66, so I'm about to go back and reread those, because those are so much fun. Um, old Man, tell the people what's going on with the Old Man Wade show with CCBN and Ben Smack Powell. What you got going on? 
Uh, CCBN will be back next week. I'm going to start doing solo issues, solo episodes, um, but I'm going to be kind of heavily relying on my comic book friends to kind of send me their reports on what they're thinking about going on this week, which I will be calling on you to do. Uh, I almost quit Old Man Wade show. I got deep into depression, but it will be back this... It won't be back... I'm hoping it'll be back this week. I know I'm recording with my homegirl, Talar. We're going to be um, discussing everything going on with um, Armenia uh, this week, and we're going to talk about uh, like being single during COVID, so I can't wait to actually discuss that with her. Um... With Bam Smack Pow, um, I, I have some flat rate articles coming out. Um, one of them I'm proud of, I'm getting into all 23 Marvel Comics movies, Marvel MCU movies, excuse me, and discussing characters that didn't get enough screen time. Uh, for example, like I picked for Black Panther, I picked Shuri. I think we all deserve a little more Shuri in our lives, especially in Black Panther. Um, the Old Man Wade show. Um, the old, um, old, excuse me, com. I did an article on called Know Your Geek, Gift and a Curse. And we talk about, I discussed telepathy and why it's, it's great, but it's also more of a curse than it is a gift. Uh, I'm writing a bunch of articles for blackrabbit.com. Um, I'm going to be doing one on Hellstrom, if not this week, then next week. Cause I'm still not sure. How, I watched one episode and I like it, but I'm not sure how I feel about the representation of Damon Hellstrom. But I also think that he's a really difficult uh, character to capture because he's not... He's, it seems like they're trying to make him Constantine, but there's only one John Constantine. All right, yeah, definitely go check all those things out. Uh, for me, I was on the PW Torch uh, a week or so ago with Rich Finn. Uh, talking about, we actually watched a movie, and Jeff from Jeff Rose the World, we actually watched a movie called Bachi, which is a Bollywood film. It's like a mix between like Fast and the Furious and Rambo. It's it's completely nuts, but it's amazing. And we kind of talked about how that relates to pro wrestling. Um, hindsight reviews, me and Rashani, uh, those shows are getting pretty popular. We have so much fun doing them. We have a group on Facebook. Join the group. Talk to uh, and talk with everybody else about different movies and stuff that we're reviewing. I want to find out that you guys got a got a got a page. What's it called? Hindsight Movie Reviews. This is a group. Oh. It's about a hundred. Uh, so I don't know how many people in it, but people have been active in it. So we got a group talking about stuff. We have a list. We have a user uh, appreciation month list as well. So if you have something you want us to watch, go ahead and submit that to that list. Um, this month we did horror. Um, we did Tales from the Hood. Then we did. Vampire in Brooklyn. All I know is I better be able to get on for that black di- for that black dynamite episode. I ain't never gonna forget y'all. You can get on. And then we did um, Leprechaun in the Hood, which was horrible. And then last week we did um, the People Under the Stairs. Uh, and then this week Rashani is making me watch a movie called Dead Heist, uh, which stars E Forty, Bone Crusher, and Big Daddy Kane. I'm out. He must really hate me. So. I have to watch that this week, unfortunately. Next month is looking like video game movies, which I'm kind of excited for to shit on Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> so we're doing Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, Street Fighter, uh, Prince of Persia, and Double Dragon. Let me just let me just say, Raul Julia deserved an award for that movie because he's the only person who took that movie serious, and he was phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> he was so goddamn good in that movie. 
my favorite, like the every. He, he, did you notice how dramatic he was? It was like he didn't. It, it was like he didn't even realize this movie was supposed to be a joke. It was a, it's so ridiculous. So yeah, go check out Hindsight Movie Reviews anywhere you get your podcast at. Um, and we'll be back soon. Old Man Wade and I are going to try to do some more comic book stuff uh, on the show, especially with Devin and Mike not being around as much. Uh, I need to get some issues back. Oh, Mike has done his What If story, which I will be releasing next week. He wanted to get a few episodes out before we release it. It's actually pretty damn good. Like I'm, I'm really impressed with Michael on this, telling this story. Um, I can't wait for y'all to listen to it and give him some feedback. But um, I thought it would be decent. It's actually a lot better than decent. Like Mike has put a lot of time and effort in this, and I can't wait for you guys to listen to that. So that'll be out next week. Uh, he's calling it Avengers of Justice. So uh, make sure you check that out when it comes out. But Thank you guys for listening. We will be back soon. And peace.